The final steps before a convicted murderer is executed in Utah. Hello, I'm Richard Pyatt, and this is Legally Speaking. More than 35 years ago, Ralph Menzies robbed, kidnapped, and murdered Maureen Hunsaker. She was a mother of three young children working at a convenience store at the time. Menzies was eventually sentenced to death for his heinous crimes. Maureen's family has waited all this time for justice to be served in this case. The Utah Attorney General's office sought an execution warrant for after all his appeals were exhausted, but now there are new developments in the case. And joining me now is Aaron Riley, Assistant Solicitor General General in our office who is working on the case. Thanks for joining me, Aaron. Thank you, Rich. So the latest development in the case focused on Ralph Menzies' assertions that he has dementia. Are you anticipating that to delay his execution date? That's certainly possible. You should also know that the victim's representatives filed an assertion of their right to speedy disposition. That was filed on January 22nd, and on January 23rd is when Menzies filed his petition for inquiry into competence. Then the judge filed an order for expedited briefing on that petition. So there's a current order that the parties must um, speedily brief that issue. If the court does order further inquiry into competency, they, that may in fact delay carrying out the execution warrant. So basically, he, he is, uh, his, he's using, or I don't want to characterize it, but basically his uh, assertions that he has dementia could be, uh, could have enough credibility if a judge says so to warrant further examination and, um, and diagnosis, perhaps? Yes. So at this point, we simply don't know enough. He has asserted that he has vascular dementia. Now, he's only 65 years old, but of course, dementia can strike younger and older people. But even if he does have vascular dementia, that alone is not enough to establish that he's not competent to be executed. Uh, the standard for competency to be executed is very different than the standard of competency to go to trial. The standard of competency to be executed, uh, the statute specifically says that what that means is an inmate is unaware of either the punishment he's about to suffer or why he is to suffer it. So as anyone who's ever dealt with someone elderly who has dementia uh, recognizes, there are various stages and progression of dementia. Uh, depending on how severe the dementia is, even if he does have some dementia, he may still meet the requirements for being competent to be executed. Um, so it, it depends if the court orders further evaluation and what further evaluation and reports by medical experts might determine um, could delay things or could establish whether in fact he has vascular dementia and whether in fact that level of whatever his medical condition is, is serious enough to uh, uh, establish that he's incompetent to be executed or not. So as the judge uh, searches to figure out how to rule on this case, is that burden on us or on his attorneys? The burden is on 
the person asserting that they're not competent to be executed. The presumption is they're competent. And so it will be his burden to establish that he's not competent to be executed. Okay. So prior to that filing, he had exhausted all of his appeals. But there were still some avenues that needed to play out legally before the actual actual execution was carried out. What... um, Aside from the um, the assertion of dementia, what are those other legal issues that n- needed to be ironed out before a date could be set? There's nothing else that has to be ironed out. There are other things that he may attempt to raise or do um, to delay or to prevent the execution. And one of those things is that he could file a petition for commutation. Um, if he did that... At, the way the statutes read, that is not supposed to um, include delay. That is supposed to happen very rapidly so that it can be accomplished prior to any execution date that is set. Now, sometimes, obviously, that may involve a little bit of delay if a commutation hearing is set and the board determines that they can't complete the hearing before the execution date, they can temporarily delay things. But that is supposed to happen very rapidly if he does choose to go that route. Okay, so he he selected firing squad back in 1988. Yes, he did. Uh, and uh, that still stands? Is it, Could that be changed? Is that, is that itself, is the method itself in any kind of uh, question, or could there be a hearing on that? Could his attorneys... uh... At this point, there's no question about it. At his own sentencing hearing, the judge asked him his preference, and he chose firing squad. Um, He has not made any kind of assertion or motion to attempt to change that. Whether or not he could do that at this point is sort of up in the air. The statute doesn't allow for it, but the statute also does not prevent it. Um, Frankly, the state from our position, and you need to understand there's different um, people and agencies represented by different attorneys in the attorney general's office. So there's the board of pardons, there's the... um, prison itself. And so I'm not speaking for all of them. I'm just speaking for the attorneys representing the criminal side of the case. To us, we don't have a preference. Uh, But if he attempted to switch at this point to raise issues or problems about another method, then we might object to that. So there are a lot of strong feelings about the the death penalty. But I think this is an important opportunity for us to point out that we as an office are following the law. We're curing the law. It's not like we're advocating for a certain sentence or, uh, or against it uh, in, in any particular way. Exactly. We're right. simply tasked with um, trying to see that justice is served and carrying out the law. At this point, Menzies has been sentenced to be executed. Um, Because he's raised this issue about competency, if the judge feels he's raised a significant enough points that it requires further inquiry, then we will participate with that further inquiry to find out exactly what the medical determinations are. Um, If there's consensus from every doctor who might interview him that he's not competent, then we will follow the law in that area. But if not, you know, if there's uh, medical 
unbiased evaluators who determine that he is competent, then we will proceed with that information. The frustrating part here, especially for the victim's family, is even if Mr. Menzies does have dementia at this point, it's been 38 years since he murdered Maureen Hunsaker. And of course, he did not have dementia when he committed that crime. And so the frustration, of course, for them is how very long it has taken to get to this point. And that if, in fact, he can't be executed, you know, I could understand their feeling that justice was not served because it took so very long to even get to this point uh, in this case. So in your first answer, you mentioned a lot of a lot of legal work that was being done. And you've got in front of you a stack of legal papers Um when you get to the point where you think that all the where you believe all the appeals have almost been exhausted, where a death warrant is about to be issued, and now all of a sudden you've got another stack of legal work on your on your desk, how much work is it to to continue to pursue this legally? It is a lot of work. Uh, we take it very seriously. We take the victim's situation very seriously. And as I said, it's our job to try to see that justice is served. Um, but this is, of course, the most serious punishment that the state can carry out as well. So uh, it's a lot of work. We, Our office puts a lot of hard work into it to make sure that we're following the law and that all of the appropriate I's are dotted and T's are crossed to make sure that everything is done the way it should be. So your uh, your portion of the office, um, what's the proper name for the your proper your section? Well, the criminal appeals division is the division that is handling this part of the case. So criminal appeals has all of our people that are on death row right now. Are these cases all different? Or do they follow approximately the same track? In other words, is the Menzies case uh, similar in the, you know, the pursuit of his, you know, appeals and the process? Is it similar to, like, for example, Honey or any of the others? That's a tough question. Procedurally, there are some similar things, but of course, each case is very different because of the crimes themselves being different, but also because of issues that the individual defendants might attempt to raise on appeal or in federal habeas. So while they might follow the same procedural pathway of going to trial and then having an appeal and following and then filing post-conviction or federal habeas actions, what they're raising in those petitions can be very different. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add about this case that I didn't ask you that you think our audience might uh, benefit from? Uh, I think the main thing is that the judge is taking this very seriously as well. Uh, You're, when you say this, the dementia? Claim? No, I think this For case, case at okay. all, mm -hmm. that he recognizes the victims have a right to speedy outcomes here. And uh, we're encouraged by the fact that he ordered expedited briefing. That makes it harder for us in some ways, but it's good because he's recognizing that there are a lot of interests concerned here, not just Mr. Menzies, but also the rights of the victim's family as well. Okay, very good. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us today. Very enlightening on this uh, case, which is, of course, one of the headlines in the news as it, uh, as it proceeds through the process. That'll do it for us on Legally Speaking. We'll see, talk to you next time.